From the Internet Law and Policy Foundry, this is the Tech Policy Grind podcast. I'm Rima Musa, and I'm a member of the fourth cohort of Foundry Fellows. The Foundry is a collaborative organization for internet law and policy professionals who are passionate about disruptive innovation. Fellows are early career law and policy innovators, passionate about technology, and are responsible for the planning, execution, and substance of all Foundry initiatives. We're thrilled to restart the Tech Policy Grind podcast, where we'll discuss recent developments and exciting topics in the technology and internet law and policy space. It's the last week of March, which is the last week of Women's History Month 2022. And so I wanted to chat with Ayan Islam of the Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency, otherwise known as CISA, on the role of women and diversity, equity, and inclusion principles in building their cybersecurity strategy. Ayan is a cybersecurity professional and community volunteer who leverages her multidisciplinary skill set to solve problems and advance causes that improve public safety. She's a critical infrastructure portfolio lead and IT specialist with CISA. There, she leads a team of vulnerability analysts and penetration testers, analyzing vulnerabilities and developing tailored mitigation recommendations to inform critical infrastructure stakeholders for enhanced organizational ITOT security posture. Prior to joining the federal service, Ion served in the government of the District of Columbia in the education and juvenile justice sectors. So let's jump into it. Welcome to the podcast, Ion. Thank you for being here for our first episode back on the Tech Policy Grind. Hi. <laughs> we'll just start off by hearing a little bit about your background. So what motivated you to enter uh, the cybersecurity field? How did you actually enter the field? Maybe tell us a little bit about uh, yourself and what you're doing. Awesome. Well, first and foremost, Rima, thank you so much for having me here uh, on the IOPF uh, podcast reboot. Really appreciate it uh, to, to not only be here to talk to you and the listeners, but also to represent CISA, Cybersecurity and Infrastructure Security Agency. A little bit about myself. So I have a very interesting as well as unorthodox path into cybersecurity. Uh, it actually started a number of years ago where I noticed that there were a number, an increasing number of cybersecurity incidents, uh, particularly data breaches uh, between 2012 and 2015. And although I was currently working in local government, um, as a public affairs specialist and then transitioned into a legislative affairs specialist, I thought that there were a number of interesting issues that had an intersection not only with national security, but as well as domestic security issues, and most importantly, with our day-to-day lives. So one would say that in hindsight, I thought traditionally I would just have a traditional government attorney uh, path uh, or potentially even considered a uh, prosecutorial pathway. 
uh, when I was attending the University District of Columbia's law school. Uh, but with the number of growing cybersecurity issues, I realized I owed it to myself to start uh, ex you know, looking at the issues a little bit more closely. Um, but yeah, but that was that was originally like the the path. Uh, one would say, okay, well, Ayan, how did you get in more specifically? Well, it wasn't an e easy path because being a mid-career uh, professional and making that change from one profession to another uh, may feel both daunting and quite scary, actually, to leave a comfortable government position to then pursue something new uh, is, is never an easy decision. But thankfully, uh, taking that uh, additional year off to pursue a master's of law in national security at American University Washington College of Law, which a number of my friends thought I was nuts for doing. <laughs> Again, you're going to continue schooling. Oh, yeah. If, uh, if that means I get to learn uh, a lot more about what does cybersecurity policy mean? What does it entail? How do I also inculcate myself in the community, understand the key players, the ecosystem? What are my skill sets and how do I fit into this larger puzzle piece and uh, helping solve the problem while furthering our public safety and security concerns? Uh, and last but not least, also ensuring that there is representation at the table when policy decisions are being made, that the decisions are inclusive of uh, various uh, thoughts. And sometimes even if that means that I have to be an advocate and the megaphone or um, amplifier for other thoughts and ideas, like how can I help uh, the, the matters in the situation? So I, I do want to say that a couple of things. One is uh, looking at uh, student competitions and internships is, is definitely a pathway to do it, um, which is what I involve myself uh, quite frequently during grad school. Another avenue that helped me uh, land squarely at uh, the U.S. Department of Homeland Security, uh, and this is CIS's predecessor, the National Programs and Protections Directorate, MPBD, was through uh, a DHS job fair that both DHS and uh, Congressional uh, Representative Benny Thompson had uh, during Black Caucus Week in 2017. So that is my path. Uh, you know, if one was to look in my LinkedIn, they would say, like, oh my gosh, you've done a, a lot of different things. Um, but I will say that um, if you're passionate about entering cybersecurity, if you have uh, skill sets that uh, you not necessarily would consider as as a contributor, but you'll then surprisingly find that there are many ways to contribute and um, and uh, participate in the conversation as well as to help push the needle further. Then please join. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, and I'm so glad that uh, that you mentioned learning and uh, and how your path has involved a lot of going back and forth from work to school to get more comprehensive training and to, to shift gears a bit. I think that in the cybersecurity field in general, the learning just never stops because the field is so dynamic and things change every day. Uh, and so, you know, no matter what you're interested in, whether it be the legal side or the policy side or the technical side or any other aspect of, of cybersecurity, there's always more to learn. Um, 
So I think a lot of people can relate to that. And I'm also glad that you bring up uh, representation and diversity in the field. And we're going to definitely get into that uh, as we proceed. Um, So on that note, I would love to hear what your assessment is of the current state of diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts uh, in the cybersecurity field, and especially in the law and policy space. Uh, How do you see diversity, equity, and inclusion playing into discussions in the field? It plays uh, plays instrumentally in in the field. Uh, First first and foremost, despite uh, despite it being a uh, typically male-dominated industry, women have been very instrumental in the progression of cybersecurity and information technology. Actually, uh, many of the tech industry's co-founders and pioneers have been female. Uh, but despite all of these this this traction, um, unfortunately, the the numbers it's a statistics. Pardon my French, but the statistics. <laughs> Are not uh, demonstrating um, our, um, our our uh, involvement in the field as, as strongly as we'd like it to see. Uh, a recent report by the International Information System Security Certification Consortium, also known as IC, uh, ISC squared, uh, says that only 24% of the cybersecurity workforce is currently comprised of women. And then, if we take a step back and we look at the larger public service um, uh, envir- um, you know, landscape, we'll see that 43.6% of government workers nationwide represent are, are represented by women. We narrow that lens further in and look at, okay, well, how many women represent the cyber federal workforce? It's even smaller. It's 25.2%. Um, and this is also additional statistics by the nonprofit partnership for public service. So there is definitely a greater need for representation um, if we look at it from uh, uh, greater representation for women in the in the field, um, and you know trying to increase and ensure that we're having a diverse representation, not only from women but also from neurodiverse to as well as um, communities of color to as well as uh, 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 gender and uh, LGBTQIA. It's just uh, the, the, the broad swath, swath of uh, individuals that um, have knowledge, technical expertise, perspectives to share, and we're missing uh, over half of the population's talent pool. Um, and, and then also to, to look at it um, more specifically and more deafening still is that Hispanic, Black, Asian, American, Indian, Native Alaskan workers just comprise, you know, respectively 4%, 9%, 8%, and then 1% of the cyber workforce. Um, there is a huge gender gap that exists in the cybersecurity workforce, which then also contributes to the overall uh, workforce shortage that persists in the United States and globally, um, which then also makes us less prepared to deal with the threats of today and tomorrow. Um, and and then, you know, 
and it's clearly represented by the fact that we have, I think it's about an estimated 500,000 vacant cybersecurity jobs, and then more than 35,000 is in government. You know, and one of the uh, key points that I would be remiss in not sharing is that recently um, our agency director, uh, Jen Easterly, uh, noted that uh, the agency has a new goal, um, recognizing that only 36.4% of CISA staff are women, uh, myself included, uh, that, you know, we need more and that we also need to practice what we preach. So it's, it was really refreshing to hear her say that uh, there is going to be a new goal to have um, 50, you know, for the agency to hit 50% of the staff to be women by uh, 2030. Um, and that's key and important because, again, you know, we need to drill the point home. If we're going to combat incoming threats, um, understand um, what what the possibilities are and what our posture should be, both uh, from, from a you know, particularly for from a defensive aspect. Um, it's very clear that we need to increase uh, diversity, equity, inclusion in our workforce. Yeah, yeah, I couldn't agree more. And I actually uh, heard from Director Easterly at the Women in Cybersecurity uh, Conference just a couple weeks ago in Cleveland, Ohio, and she really, really did hammer in that point that CISA is taking uh, this notion of increasing and equalizing the the presence of women in the field uh, to heart with that goal of, of having 50% representation of women uh, within CISA by 2030. So I think that that is really exciting. And one important thing that you mentioned uh, is the role of intersectionality in all this, that it's not solely uh, you know, focusing on increasing women in in cybersecurity or people of color in cybersecurity, but really these intersecting identities uh, for the purpose of creating a truly diverse and inclusive field uh, from from the point of view of career development. And so with that, I would love to hear your take on how diversity uh, and equity inclusion within the space actually can contribute to a stronger cybersecurity strategy, as I think something that we're beginning to hear is that this lack of diversity that we see in the field might actually be to the detriment of long-term cybersecurity strategy, as a lot of, of the foundation of cybersecurity uh, is dependent on having unique approaches to complex problems and problems that we've never seen before. Um, And so when the workforce is represented by one type of individual, uh, you know, one certain identity and other identities are are left out of that mix, um, we can see uh, a lack uh, or a gap rather in are our problem-solving capabilities. So what's your take on that? Take take on is essentially, as you rightly said, uh, with that gap, we become more vulnerable because we are then less prepared to deal with the threats that uh, are either facing us today or tomorrow. We're also ill-equipped. 
we don't have the requisite talent. We don't have the requisite knowledge. We don't have the uh, uh, perspectives to help us uh, stay ahead of the curve, uh, be more uh, aware and attuned of what could potentially befall us. Uh, and so as a result, rather than uh, constantly feeling as if they were behind the curve, uh, because of workforce shortages, because of the the talent that we we feel is is missing, um, you know, then then it behooves us to then um, take proactive action to 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 close to close that gap. And you know, you said it also in your comments uh, that um, as well that you know one of the one of the things that we need to do in order to solve more complicated and technical problems that are facing our country is the need for diversity. And um, you alluded to it, where having a more diverse uh, cybersecurity workforce can enable us to become better problem solvers. Uh, the awesome thing that's happening at CISA is that there's uh, an effort and um, to, to work, you know, and a lot of work to attract and also to retain a talented and diverse workforce, um, which then also means uh, there's a need to cultivate environments that are representative of the diversity of this nation, right? So, because if we're going to protect the nation, we have to ensure that our workforce rep is representative of the populace that we are serving to protect. And so that means also partnering with organizations that create career pathways for those who don't have the resources or accesses to opportunities to pursue careers in cybersecurity. So there's multiple avenues. There's those that already have the pathways through uh, traditional educational means. And those those are, you know, for your institutions, colleges and um, workforce. But most importantly, it's like, how do we then equip others who are very interested in the field, um, but may not have the traditional resource and access? So it's part of the mission uh, of CIS's mission to recruit diverse cybersecurity talent and build workforce of the future. Uh, we've awarded $2 million to uh, two innovative organizations for the development of cyber workforce training programs. Uh, and this is this is like a, a, a recent endeavor um, to, to increase the uh, uh, cybersecurity workforce, not only within the organization, but also within the community as well. Uh, the first organization is Empower, and the second is Cyber Warrior, uh, both who received the awards, and their focus is to um, work very closely with the unemployed and underemployed, underserved communities in urban and rural areas, as well as traditionally underserved populations that include veterans, military spouses, women, and people of color. And these are communities and populations that typically or may not currently have access to cybersecurity training programs. And so this is uh, a phenomenal effort and endeavor just because it's the first of its kind from CISA. Um, and so it'll be really uh, exciting to see everything that comes from it. Cyber Warrior and Empower will collaborate with CISA to develop a scalable and replicable proof of concept to successfully identify and then train those talented individuals around the country. And so tapping into the innovative, non-traditional job training and apprenticeship programs that these organizations have will then also help the federal government, as well as state, local, and tribal, and territorial entities, and the private sector 
you know, with finding those uh, employees and those future talented staffs and minds um, that will then fill the the gap the gap shortages that we keep talking about, and um, and also to address the the fact that we also need that diversity of thought and talent. So the uh, important thing also to note for this program is that because it is a three-year pilot, uh, the goal of this uh, opportunity is to first and foremost develop and implement a comprehensive cybersecurity pathways retention strategy. Um, It's also secondly to deliver entry-level cybersecurity training through innovative training hubs, um, as well as to provide hands-on and professional development experience through apprenticeships. So all in all, by having this pilot program, the goal is to decrease cybersecurity workforce uh, shortage by placing talented individuals into multiple entry-level cybersecurity positions. So that way when the um, uh, workforce changes, at least we have uh, a constant pipeline of incoming new talent to to fill that gap and therefore reduce the, the potential shortages. Yeah, yeah, I think that is huge. Um, And I think you bring up a really important point that uh, a lot of people might not consider is that cybersecurity is not a straightforward path uh, for probably the majority of people. Um, I've met so many people who've entered the field from, you know, as you did, uh, as I did, from completely different uh, you know, backgrounds and ways in and interests uh, and just have found their place and can contribute really meaningfully to the field uh, with that diversity of perspectives. And I think it's important to highlight that and to encourage that, uh, you know, there isn't a, a cookie cutter straightforward pathway that you must follow in order to enter the field. You really can enter uh, from any sort of direction and at any time, and there's so many different uh, ways that you can meaningfully contribute to the the field and the overall mission of cultivating a more secure world. Uh, and so I think that's that's fantastic. And you actually hit on my next question. Of, uh, of sort of the role of CISA and what CISA is doing. And so shifting, shifting gears a little bit, uh, one big focus of CISA is the notion of public-private partnerships. And so I'm wondering, how does diversity, equity, and inclusion and this mission for you know, cultivating uh, more diversity of perspectives within the field how does that influence the work that you do with the private sector? So I know that you just mentioned, uh, you know, these pilot programs that are being launched that uh, aim directly at encouraging a more diverse workforce. But as far as the actual collaboration with private partners um, in in cultivating cybersecurity strategy and taking on different projects, what does that look like? It looks like in multiple shapes and forms, uh, a lot of it can can go hand in hand with uh, uh, either stakeholder engagement, 
collaborating uh, from an information sharing perspective to then as well as discussing the issues and trying to understand uh, how are our problems uh, similar to each other so we can then uh, strategize best on how to uh, partner on on uh, when it comes to addressing the cybersecurity workforce shortage, uh, diversity, equity, inclusion. Uh, the the also you know to acknowledge the the current talent that we have and shining a spotlight on that on that on that talent as well because that additionally helps uh, from a retention perspective. Uh, there's there's a number of, of ways uh, to to work very closely with our private sector partners, and it also helps when we all work closely with uh, nonprofit organizations that are working diligently to to fill the gap in many ways. So earlier, as I mentioned, you know, CISA has the you know has afforded two uh, innovative and inaugural grant opportunities to uh, two organizations that will provide the training and apprenticeships. But then also simultaneously, we're working closely with organizations and um, launch a new partnership with Girls Who Code. Um, and that's an organization that works to develop pathways for young women to pursue careers in cybersecurity and technology. And we recognize that uh, private sector works closely with them too, so we should as well, because there's many avenues, uh, you know, as we have uh, referenced in our conversation, that there's just no, there's no one path, right? So how do we also start early as well, right? So it's not just for the career changers. We also have to start um, with digital lit- literacy. So Girls Who Code is a great organization that that helps uh, with with that aspect and grooming and and fostering. Um, an interest for young women who are interested in technologies um, but may have not seen that much representation of themselves before. And this is a great opportunity to say, no, we're here, we're present. Um, There are a number of us working in the field. uh, Know that you have a place here and and that you can also come in and make a difference too. So, uh, so this partnership will definitely help tackle diversity disparities by working to heighten the awareness of cybersecurity and technology careers, and then also working with uh, a number of private sector partners that are employers to build tangible pathways for young women, especially young women of color, to get hands-on experience in the private sector or even nonprofit sector and also government, because we need that talent too. Uh, so through this partnership, CISA and Girls Who Code will establish the collaborative opportunities um, that will then provide awareness, training, and pathways into cybersecurity careers for girls, women, and also those who identify themselves as non-binary. And so that is like definitely one of the, the top priorities uh, that we have here in the agency. Additionally, there's, um, you know, probably have heard uh, uh, Director Easterly as well as a number of other uh, cyber, uh, CISA leadership speak about our partnership with Girl Scouts and as well as cyber.org. Um, CISA launched in 2021 the Girl Scout Cyber Awareness Challenge, and that's a, a new initiative to encourage girls across the country to learn about cybersecurity and to increase that related awareness within their own communities, particularly around the growing threat of ransomware. So what other better ambassadors, advocates, educators do we have than you know, our own young people 
educating their friends, educating their loved ones on the potential threats that come with uh, inadvertently clicking on a malicious email and understanding like the consequences that come uh, when we get hit with a ransomware attack. And it not only imp impacts organizations, um, but it also impacts individuals. And conversely, if a person understands that, then they can take that aspect into the workplace and then they become also a safer, more secure employee um, and help their organization stay safe too. So the, um, the ongoing challenge, um, it provides girls that are in grades six uh, to 12 opportunities to learn more about cybersecurity, to practice those key concepts and to demonstrate the knowledge and skills that they develop during the program. And at the end of that challenge, um, participants will be encouraged to publish an article about ransomware to raise a, uh, cybersecurity awareness in their respective communities. And last but not least, participants then get to complete, uh, who complete the challenge will then receive a certificate of achievement and an invitation to attend a capstone virtual event hosted during this month's cybersecurity awareness month festivity. So, um, or not this month, but like the previous month. So, um, and upcoming uh, later this year. So this is one of those things like we're having these partnerships, um, both private sector, pub public, nonprofit, uh, the, in the intersection of these spaces, um, the, the greater awareness from K through 12 all the way to the workforce is very, very critical. And it is massive, but there are definitely multiple avenues um, and it's definitely a multiple, multiple prong approach when it comes to addressing um, cybersecurity as a whole. Yeah, I'm so glad that you mentioned the importance of engaging the youth uh, in, in this mission and in expanding the, the scope of diversity, equity, and inclusion efforts. Uh, you know, the future generations are the ones who are really going to be leading the charge on solving uh, a lot of the most difficult issues that arise in the cybersecurity field as society becomes increasingly digital. Uh, the sort of digital natives who have who've been used to technology uh, you know, since their birth um, will definitely have an important perspective uh, to add to the conversation. And so it's, it's really a win-win uh, to engage you know, the, at an early an early age, uh, diverse diverse individuals who come from different communities, uh, but also to get that perspective, I'm sure is invaluable uh, as we as we proceed. So I think that that was a great point to arise. Appreciate so, it, yeah. no, yeah, I was, and I was going to say because you you also hit on a point that those different um, backgrounds and communities that we will be receiving the talent from will then also give us that not only that knowledge base and understanding culturally of what happens in those communities, but at the same time, they understand the needs of those communities. They understand the, 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 the challenges and also the best ways to communicate those messages within their respective communities. So, in essence, why not um, leverage also the cultural knowledge and understanding that comes from the talent that we have that can help navigate the potential concerns 
um, apprehension or misunderstandings that sometimes comes about with technology. And sometimes it may seem daunting. It may seem, and and tech sometimes is foreign to most, but also we forget that it's definitely a part of our day-to-day. And so when we have the, the members of those communities participate in the field and then share with their members, community members, that it's actually um, important for uh, the, the knowledge to, to, to you know, be spread and, and also it reduces the threats um, across the board, um, then we become more secure holistically. So yeah, I just wanted to, to point that out because you know, the cultural understanding bit and, um, and seeking the knowledge also from those communities and those bridge builders and yeah, translators uh, speaks volumes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think in a lot of ways, the push for more inclusion within the field is almost like the missing puzzle piece uh, for, you know, from a policy perspective, Mm -hmm. addressing so many issues of tackling bias from an algorithmic uh, or technological, technical perspective. but also cultivating a, a stronger strategy by having that close connection to different communities that may, that may be more vulnerable uh, due to differences in digital literacy and whatnot. And so I think that a really comprehensive cyber strategy uh, does involve uh, you know, integrating these these diverse communities, not just uh, from a consultational point of view, but really having that representation at the decision making table um, is is so key. And so, yeah, I think that that this conversation has hit on a lot of points uh, to that to that end. So, great. So before we wrap up. Uh, I would love to hear your take on what can we do about all this. So you've mentioned a couple of initiatives that CISA has started on that sound really, really exciting uh, to actually get some some progress in this effort. But what ways can our listeners get involved or do more in cultivating more diversity, equity, and inclusion in the cybersecurity field? Um, and are there any unique challenges uh, to consider in, in paving this path forward and perhaps any strategies that you might have in mind to, to mitigate those challenges? Oh, there are many, many, many ways to join and participate and engage and engage in different levels uh, depend you know depending on um, the time commitment the um, also the you know, mostly time commitment really um, and and avail- availability um, from within an organization um, the uh, I would I would first and foremost recommend um, uh, actually just across the board right um, uh, that there has to be uh, an understanding and appreciation and acknowledgement for the value and the need 
of diversity, equity, inclusion programs, particularly in the cybersecurity field, um, to help tackle the, the diversity disparities that we currently have. Um, and most importantly, um, if there isn't uh, a uh, employee engagement or um, appreciation um, or employee association program, um, uh, which has different um, affinity groups, uh, create one. Uh, start start one, uh, talk to a couple colleagues, see how one could create one internally, speak with uh, your human resources department uh, to, to determine what are the appropriate policies uh, that need to be created or that may already be in existence um, and, and it might be a program that um, uh, needs to either be developed from scratch or uh, needs to, to, to be potentially, um, uh, uh, you know, uh, restarted again because uh, sometimes that happens. It's just there's individuals that get inundated with with work and um, unfortunately don't have the time to to commit to it like they used to. But this is an important thing, right? That first and foremost, we need to recognize that there is uh, uh, a need for such programming, and as such, in order for it to thrive and to continue and be successful and then not die out, um, then there is a need for leadership buy-in and active sponsorship and uh, continuous promotion of programs across the organization to share share that there is a value and a need for it um, and, and that it could also be incorporated as part of uh, an individual's um, community service um, at, you know uh, program and, and uh, professional development but but uh, from within organization, first and foremost, if it's not also happening bi-directionally where employees are interested and they feel as if though that they have leadership buy-in, um, that's that's going to be a, a very you know tricky, tricky uphill challenge to face. So uh, you know it d definitely does have to occur both uh, in in both levels um, and primarily with active leadership buy-in and sponsorship. Uh, and constant reinforcement. And then also if listeners are interested in ways outside of their own workforce, uh, work-based um, uh, employment, uh, employee association groups, then there are definitely many avenues uh, to consider and to contribute to the cause. Um, as mentioned earlier, there are a number of cybersecurity and training and development organizations that are always seeking mentors to help train the next generation of cybersecurity national security practitioners. Just mentioned Empower, Cyber Warrior, Girls Who Code. Uh, there's also Girl Security, Nat Girl Squad. It's just, just so many, cyber.org, just so many to list. Um, then there's also organizations where, from a professional development standpoint, if you want to um, uh, collaborate with uh, like-minded uh, peers or and or just peers that are in the same profession as you. Um, there's Women of Color Advancing Peace and Security, also known as WCAPS, Blacks in Cybersecurity, Cyversity, Minorities in Cybersecurity, Latinas in Tech, Women in Security and Privacy. Uh, then there's also campaigns that shed light on and amplify current practitioners like Share the Mic and Cyber and Making Space Initiative. So whether it's adding your voice as a cybersecurity practitioner of color or participating as an ally, amplifying these resources across communities and helping increase engagement, there are definitely multiple, multiple ways to be a part of the effort. 
Um, last but not least, there, um, the main, main, main thing uh, in terms of increasing uh, uh, diversity in cyber is if you aren't a part of the field, join. If you know, if you're already a part of the field and you know someone who's interested in joining, help them join. Um, you know, there's and there's also multiple ways to do it. You can either definitely like this is hiring. We're looking for a lot of great talent. Um, and as you said, as I said, uh, Director Easter is looking to increase that number uh, of particularly women up to 50% within our workforce. So please check out USA Jobs. Gov. Uh, we're also uh, recruiting through the cyber talent management system, which is uh, another avenue to, to pursue. But there's also opportunities where there's fellowships for think tanks. There's also fellowships in the federal government. Um, there's also ways to participate on the Hill as a fellow staffer representative. So uh, figure out what your uh, uh, path is by also looking at the issues that you're looking to solve and um, how you uh, feel that you'll be most passionate about contributing. Yeah, thank you for that. A lot of fantastic advice and resources, I think, for, for people to work with, whether you're at the early career level, uh, building your career, or you're at a leadership uh, position, it's so important to really engage with the field uh, to uplift the, the voices of others. So I, I couldn't agree more with, uh, with your perspective on that. And thank you for sharing all those resources. Um, we'll definitely try to link to some of them, uh, or as many of them as possible within the show notes. Uh, but feel free for our listeners to do your research and check out all those different opportunities uh, to really engage um, on, on a deep level with the field because there is so much out there and such a need uh, to have every voice uh, really represented within uh, the cybersecurity field. So with that, um, any other resources for our listeners to check out or any way that they can get in touch with you or learn more about CISA? Definitely. Uh, check out CISA.gov, C-I-S-A dot G-O-V. There are a number of resources uh, when it comes to understanding uh, all the various uh, threats that are facing our nation and also resources to help protect our uh, industries and our multiple stakeholders at the state and local level, uh, tribal and territorial, acad academic, um, utilities, it, you, you name it, because there's, uh, you know, over 60, there's about close to 16 sectors. So uh, uh, ranging from, you know, not only government, to, but financial utilities. So uh, check out all the resources. There's also resources uh, when it comes to um, an interest in uh, career. So uh, uh, search for NICE, at, uh, the National uh, Initiative for Cybersecurity Education, NICE. That's also uh, another effort that is done in collaboration between CISA and NIST. So uh, uh, from a workforce development perspective or pathways and, and understanding the different uh, avenues to connect. That's also another 
uh, resource book. Uh, definitely, definitely check those those two out. And yeah, feel free to connect on LinkedIn because that's another avenue where um, uh, making those professional connections and then amplifying the posts because I like to repost and share uh, really interesting uh, posts that I see from others in the communities and also those who are sharing available resources and opportunities. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. Glad glad to be on and uh, yeah, appreciate it. It was awesome. a great time. Awesome. Well, thank you. And you can find Ayan on LinkedIn. We'll drop her, uh, her link in the show notes. And thank you so much for listening. Stay tuned for the next Tech Policy Grind podcast. And we'll catch you later.